the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Everything that happens to you happens for the glory of God, the good of others, and your own growth. There is nothing random here. We do not live in a random universe. There is a larger purpose behind everything. Let me just review. One, when you encounter hardships, when life is seeming to get the better of you, when you feel like you're all by yourself, remember what is true. Strive to keep the Savior and your eternity in view. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry The answer for all my life Every dragon will fall the mountains will move Every chain of the past You've broken into All the fear of the lies We're singing the truth That nothing is impossible With you Oh, nothing is impossible Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast With Keith Crosby Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast. And as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues his study in Romans 8, entitled New Life. So if you have your Bibles, turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 8. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study. These actions, like I said before, they build on one another. First, you keep your eye on the ball, so to speak. Secondly, you remember what is true, that suffering is not wasted, that our God is not a random, careless, capricious God like the heathen gods are, right? As we read and as we read a moment ago, the world groans under the weight of sin. Look at verses 19 to 24. For the creation waits with dread. No, it doesn't wait with dread, doesn't it? doesn't say that. For the creation waits with eager longing. For what? The revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Not willingly. You know, this is talking about the universe, the non-human stuff. The animals, the moo cows, the birdies, the environment, the moon, the sun, the stars. It, it, it didn't do anything. It's a victim in all this, right? It was subjected willingly, though. Uh, not willingly, it didn't do anything, but it was subjected to futility and not willingly, not, not on, on its own, but because of him, him is God, who subjected it in hope. It's not the devil. He doesn't have the power over all creation. It's not Adam. He's not God. He doesn't have the kind of power. He didn't willingly subject the creation to all this. God did in hope that the creation will one day, the creation will itself be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
There's a lot going on there, but basically this. The most important thing to God isn't the environment. It's people. And, and when we're all straightened out, when God redeems us, the final redemption, we'll get into that in a moment, then he's going to redeem everything else. Look at verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Now think about that. Is childbirth a futile thing or is it a great thing? You see all these analogies here? Eager longing, eager longing in hope. It will be set free from its bondage to corruption. For we know, there's that we know again, there's that certainty that the whole creation has been groaning together with the uh, pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, the redemption of our bodies. There is a physical restoration that's going to take place. And when ours takes place, the rest of the creation's takes place. Verse 24, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen, now hope that is seen is not hope, but who hopes for what he sees? Notice what's going on there. There's this condition of futility. The world around us is broken. The fabric of the universe is corrupted. It's mutated, so to speak. It's like a virus has been introduced into it. God did that, not for bad reasons, not for punitive reasons, not, for, not to punish, but to give hope. The universe is under a curse because of what Adam and Eve did and because of what we do. And it eagerly longs for its restoration. Now, that's sort of a a word picture there, sort of a poetic picture because it's inanimate. But But everything anticipates the restoration of the children of God, the bodily restoration. And everything that we're going through now is like childbirth. It's painful right now to be a Christian in this fallen world. There's no question about that. There's hardship all around us. There's persecution, marginalization. We see our loved ones who don't know the Savior. We see people that we care for and know and love die. We see them injured. We see them suffer. But we know that we ourselves look forward to our final redemption, the redemption of our bodies. And at that point, everything is restored. And in in this hope, we were saved. We trusted in the promises of God. We put our faith, we surrendered our will We surrendered our whole person to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And it's in this hope that we will be saved. God does not waste our suffering. You look at all the wording and you see the concepts and purposefulness of all that is there, all that is revealed. There's no, no, we hope it turns out well in the end. The suffering here isn't wasted. It isn't random. It isn't accidental. It's purposeful. In hope, all of creation waits not in desperation, but in eager, hopeful longing for the final redemption that is to come. When Christ makes all things new, the revealing of the sons of God, the redemption of the body, speaks to the final separating the wheat from the tare, the sheep from the goats, those who suffered with him and those who just talked about it, those who knew him, those who knew of him. The final revelation of the children of God. And there's no sense of hopelessness in the choice of words there. They're all hopeful, positive, because nothing is wasted. Why then is there suffering? I remember somebody said to me one time, you know, you Christians believe that God is good, and if he's all-powerful, then he can't be all good, because if he's all-powerful, there'd be no suffering if he was all good. But he could be powerful and not good or good. You know, those are false dichotomies. I don't, even, I don't even waste time with those types of questions. Why is there suffering in this fallen world? One, because we brought it on ourselves, but two, because of love, because of he subjected it in hope. One or two of you have probably had 
chest pains and angina preceding a heart attack. Or maybe you felt dizzy before a stroke. Or maybe you had some symptom of illness and you knew you needed help. God has left reminders for all of humanity, right? We studied this in Romans 1, 18 to 32, that everyone is without excuse because God has made himself visible through his invisible attributes and all that was made. And he's left evidence of himself so that everybody's without excuse. And we know that we can't fix the world and we can't fix ourselves, that we need help, that we need rescue. And all of this suffering are like the pains and pangs of angina. They are warnings to a fallen world who could care less about God that they need God. They are reminders to the believer that the best is yet to be. And so there's no such thing as wasted suffering. It's all purposeful. All things really, really do work together for good. And all of this suffering around us isn't punitive. Certainly there's an aspect of it that is discipline or punishment, but it's not done punitively. It's done in hope because sometimes we can't look up until we're down low. God brings us all to himself in different ways, and he has left reminders that we need him. One day, we will all be physically redeemed. The redemption of our bodies, we are spiritually redeemed now. Heaven is our home. We are marching with each day forward, with each day that passes closer to a heavenly home. The fact of the matter is, one day we're going to get there, and we'll have new bodies, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. In the meantime, Even the things that go wrong in our lives, even the times where we shoot ourselves in the foot, even when bad things happen, God uses it for good. One of the most helpful reminders, at least in my life for that, is James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. What does it say here? Count it all joy, my brothers, whenever or when you meet trials of various kinds, multicolored, variegated, all kinds of trials. For you know, there it is again. For you know, just like all things work together for good, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, patient endurance. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, or that some people would interpret it or translate it, adequate and complete, adequate and entire, lacking in nothing. Even the bad things that happen prepare us to serve God more capably, more ably. Enable us to trust him more. Remind us of the hope that we have as a certainty that we see here in this passage that God is at work in our lives. It says, count it all joy. It doesn't mean it's fun. I think of the trials that my family's been through in the last couple of years. We would call it anything but fun. But you know what? We've had our faith tested, strengthened, encouraged. We have hope because we have Christ. Count it all joy whenever you encounter various and sundry trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfecting, completing work, leaving you adequate and complete, lacking in nothing. And if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given. Hope. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. Nothing. Your suffering is purposeful. It's equipping. It's God-glorifying. It's faith-building. It's strengthening. And it may not be fun. It says, count it all joy. It says, treat it joyfully. It doesn't say, this is fun. It ain't. But the joy comes from knowing that God is in the mix. You keep your eyes focused on the Savior and your eternity. You understand that nothing is wasted. And you soldier on, not with some whimsical, I hope it don't rain tomorrow. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. I hope this turns out well. All things are going to turn out well according to God's plan because God's plans are perfect. Which brings us to our third action. And again, these just build on each other. And the the second action implies the third. And that is that know that there is a larger purpose. 
I'd already said that a couple of times. None of your suffering is by accident. Look at verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. If you look up that word all in a Greek lexicon, you know what it means? It means all. All things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purposes. You have to forgive me. I've memorized this passage in the New American Standard, and I'm working the ESV, so you've probably noticed me flipping back and forth. Bear with me. And look at it there in verse 28. For those whom he foreknew, those he set his heart upon, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. It's like Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, of those you have given to me, I have lost none of them. You're not going to get lost in the mix. Everything that's happening to you is happening for a reason. It's not because God glossed over you and forgot you were there. He's got a plan, and you are part of it. And he has raised you up for such a time as this. You are his children, fellow heirs with Christ, ambassadors for Christ, good soldiers in the army of God. Nothing is random here. There is a larger purpose. You even see it here in the text. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Christ is the firstborn, and he's bringing you into the family. He's brought you into the family. You are fellow heirs, co-heirs with Christ, children of God who can cry out in the deep of the night, Abba, Father, and the king of the universe with seven odd billion people in the world inclines his ear to listen to the prayers of his people. Nothing happens by accident. Everything that happens to you is for a reason, and it's for a good reason. It's for God's reason. Second uh, Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 reminds us of this. I love this. I love this passage. Look at verse 8. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, breakable, fragile, earthen jars. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the, sur- that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. It's not about us. Not our, we're not going to accomplish anything in our strength. It's the Spirit within us who changes everything. It's life in the Spirit, life in Christ. Look at verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, because we have hope, because we have Christ. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Why? Here's the purpose for your suffering. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. You know, it says in Acts they were called Christians for the first time at Antioch, and that word Christian wasn't, was a derogatory term, but it meant little Christ. Oh, they're the little Christ. Everything that happens to you happens for the glory of God, the good of others, and your own growth. There is nothing random here. We do not live in a random universe. There is a larger purpose behind everything that happens. We're about to go into double overtime here, so I'm going to speed up a little bit. Let me just review. One, when you encounter hardships, when life is seeming to get the better of you, when you feel like you're all by yourself, remember what is true. Strive to keep the Savior and your eternity in view. Keep your eye on the ball. Keep your focus on Christ. And then remember that God never, ever wastes your suffering. And know that there is a larger, greater purpose for your suffering. And it involves the glory that is to be revealed at the redemption of our bodies. Our hope is based on nothing less, as the old song used to say, than Jesus Christ and his righteousness, right? And he can't fail. 
He can't be unrighteous. He can't be ungod. He can't be less than sovereign. He can't be less than good. His character is impeccable. He is without sin. And he has gone so far for us that he who knew no sin became sin on our account that we might become the righteous of God. And there, therefore, is no reason for hope because there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All things work together for good and nothing and no one can separate us from the love of God in Christ. Action number four. Action number four. And this is not to be missed. Understand that God has not left you on your own. Now, we alluded to this last week. God never abandons or forsakes you. You are never without resources. Where do we see that? Well, we see that in verses 26 to 28. And this is so beautiful here. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We are never without hope. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. I can't tell you how many times in the last few years as a pastor, as a father, as a husband, as a man, as a jar of clay where you've just, because you know the burden of the congregation, you know the burdens in your own family, you know your own weaknesses, sometimes it's almost overwhelming. Your mind gets tied up in knots. And I, I, sometimes I don't know exactly what to pray for, but what does it say here? Am I on my own? Am I without hope? Is this problem unfixable? What do I pray for? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. I'm not going to get into this today, but this has nothing to do with the prayer language, okay? So just strike that out of your minds, okay? And he who searches the heart knows what is the mind of the Spirit because for this reason the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And look what it says next. And we, we would like to believe, no. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Or as it says in the New American Standard, God causes all things to work together for good. Not some things, all things. When Joseph faced his brothers and they were afraid he was going to kill him, he said, you know, am I in the place of God? As for you, you intended evil against me, but what you intended for evil, God intended for good to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. God is always engaged with his people. He's not some far-off God, the God of deism, the watchmaker who wound it all up and walked away. God is with you. He is alongside you. He is indwelling you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. We talked about that. He is with us and in us forever. That's what Jesus talked about in the upper room discourse in John uh, uh, 13 through 16 when he talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit in different parts. We have access to God the Father to pray according to the royal protocol through the Holy Spirit, who intercedes for us according to the will of God. When we, when we were working through Romans chapter 5, we read this, and I think this speaks to what we're talking about right now, that we always have hope. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access. That's through the Holy Spirit working in us because of what Christ has done for us. We have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God because we will one day see it all. Heaven, the glory of God, the purpose is behind everything. Our suffering is not wasted. It's not purposeless but purposeful. And we have a helper, the Holy Spirit, who is in us and with us who intercedes for us when we don't even know how to pray, who amends our pitiful prayers into something profound that is according to the will of God. Resources that God has given us. 
Jesus Christ said this in John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He goes on to say in John 16, 13 through 14, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. That applied to the disciples then and there. It applies to us right now. How many times have we been in a jam, in a situation, and God, the Holy Spirit, illumines a verse that we studied, something that we heard, something from a sermon. And he gives us wisdom for the moment and he guides us around the pitfall. He leads us into the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That's the hope that we have. These things keep us off of the ledge, away from the precipice. God has given us his spirit. He has put his spirit within us. He has given us his word. We have the full revelation of God to man, everything we need to know, the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. We have the Holy Spirit to illumine our understanding and enable us to do what we could not do for ourselves. We have the church, our church family, to encourage us and to cheer us on, to stimulate us to love and to good works. We are not without resources. We are not without hope. And you've got to keep that in the forefront of your mind. You have to look to Jesus. You have to anticipate your heavenly home, the promises of God, which are not wishful thinking, but they are guaranteed. They are declarations of truth. You have to understand that he's not wasting your life or your time. He can't, he won't. It would be against his character. And everything that happens, happens for a reason. And you are not without resources. So how do you apply this? This is a lot of information. I've kind of given you 10 pounds of seed here in a five pound bag. What do you do with this? What do you do with this? How do you apply it? Well, I would take these four actions daily. In whatever situation or circumstance you, you know, a lot of times we shoot from the hip. Ready, shoot, aim instead of ready, aim, fire. We have to think through our trials. Where if we're dealing with a prodigal, we need to remember these things, right? We need to remember that God has promised us eternity. And if they surrender to him or her, you know, them eternity, we have to remember that There's nothing random or wasted here, that God is working in this, that it's purposeful, and that we're not without resources. We're not without hope. And you have to respond in hope, not in hate. You have to respond in faith, not in doubt. That's how you deal with things like this. As you deal with your own sinful choices and their consequences, and you're like, wow, how could a believer do this? You know, my testimony is ruined. It's done. I'm finished. No, it's not. You know, the difference between a trial and a test is a trial is is there to strengthen your faith, the test or a temptation, rather, is, a, uh, is you making the wrong choice when God has given you the right opportunity. But the bottom line is, where there is God, there is hope. And, you know, he never gets tired of hearing our heartfelt prayers. Remember these actions as you choose to love your spouse biblically with all their foibles and failings. And then when, you, when you're going into the, some would call it a fight, others would call it the next spirited discussion. Remember these four actions and approach it from that direction. Remember these things as you start over after earthly defeats and losses, as you're tempted to lose perspectives. Strive to keep the Savior and eternity in focus, determined to do so. Choose to do so. Remember that God never, ever wastes your suffering. Know, always know that there is a larger, greater purpose for your suffering and understand that you have not been left without resources and make these four actions, four heart commitments, four mindsets that you embrace and pursue daily in this momentary life. God has given us real hope. 
we are not to lose hope. We can make these four actions four ways of life to recall why have hope a certainty. Pastor Keith Crosby on this special edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening today. In the uncertainty of the COVID-19 crisis, many people within the Hillside Church community and all over Santa Clara County are in the middle of financial hardship, and we need to pray for them. And we would ask you to pray for us as well. We want to thank you for listening and supporting this ministry. But it is a listener-supported ministry, and in as much as we covet your prayers, we also ask you to consider a financial contribution to the ongoing work of this radio broadcast. Grace to Live Radio provides encouragement to so many people in the outside world who can't make it to church, and you can be part of that ministry by supporting us financially as you support us prayerfully. This is Keith Crosby, and I want to thank you for your prayers and your encouragement. With the current guidelines in place by our president and the local leaders here in San Jose, Hillside Church will be holding our worship service 100% online for now. So please remember our website, hillside.org. You can view our Sunday morning service there as well as to keep informed with updates on what's happening here at the church as we walk through this time together. Just click on the COVID-19 response button for updates on ministry activities, resources for your children, as well as important information from the County Health Commission. And you can also connect with us on social media, the church Facebook page, at Hillside Church San Jose, as well as our Instagram page, at Hillside San Jose. Don't worry if you missed any of this information. You can access everything by visiting our website, hillside.org. We want to thank you so very much for spending this time with us here on the Grace to Live radio broadcast. I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and all of us here at Hillside Church, we want to encourage you with our prayer that the Lord will continue to richly bless you and protect you. So please keep looking up, and thanks for listening.